Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. It's been a while since we've done one of these shows, but we are back with a special edition of what we've been calling Joe Talk, and we've got not one, not two but three Joes, average Joes is what we've been calling ourselves. That is a dodgeball reference because I've been watching it like crazy the past couple of days. I'm Joe Serpico here to host the show, and let me introduce the other two guys on the show. Go ahead, guys. Hi, I'm Joe Lonergan. I usually do the uh, Conference USA podcast on Underdog Dynasty, but the three Joes unite, and I'm excited to be here talking draft stuff. Agreed. I'm Joe Broback. I'm normally the co-host, if you want to call me that, with Mr. Serpico, and uh, he puts up with my shenanigans, and now we're bringing another Joe to get in on the fun. I was telling you guys, like, before we started, I feel like I'm, like, a guest in the house of, like, an old married couple. It's really funny. <laughs> just the way you guys kind of interact, and I'm just on the side, like, okay, lovely home you have here. I, I see Joe as more of an older brother, and he just puts up with the younger brother crap. And that's why I'm Joe number one, and that's why I'm in the show. He's the most responsible. Uh, well, okay. Let's let's not go that far. I literally just told you guys I got to get off of here so I can do some drinking today. So that is the least bit true, probably. But yeah, like other Joe just brought up here, we're here to talk the NFL draft, and mainly what we're going to talk about is some of the G5 and the FCS prospects that are entering the draft here. There is quite a few names that you probably haven't heard of. I'll be honest, there's quite a few names that I haven't heard of until leading up to this uh, draft process. We're just basically going to kick it off with one of the big things that kids kind of get judged on when they enter the league is the Wonderlick. So between the three of us, and I had a few friends of mine also, we decided that we were going to give it a shot i'd like to say i was happy with my score i finished with a nice 34 uh i don't know about you guys what, what did you guys score on your wonder lick tests and how did we compare with some of these draft prospects i don't remember the exact number of questions i got but i was telling you guys before i took it at work and was trying to do that while i did other stuff and then it, that did not end well um but then i took not it enough again time. And, right exactly you only have like 12 minutes i think it is to yep. try and get it all done but i took it a second time and i got in like the 62nd percentile i don't know how many questions that that is but honestly that's kind of right in the middle and um i'm okay with that and that's really my life philosophy in a nutshell <laughs> yeah i got so i got 42 but i felt like the time thing was really what held me back and the one thing that i guess one a few of the questions were you had to like unscramble the words and i kept looking at the time I'm like i don't have time to sit here and try to figure out what word this is supposed to be so i just guessed and moved on so i'm kind of i guess i'm kind of lucky that there weren't more of those questions it was uh it was it was
was a lot more thinking that I, you know what I mean like I didn't expect some of those questions like you literally had to sit there and like do some numbers in your head kind of thing that would kind of uh, threw me off a little bit but I mean they are basically common most for the most part they are common sense questions I feel like so it does make mm-hmm. you like wonder when you see some of these lower scores that some of these guys are putting out what intelligence do they have to read a playbook and things like that well I don't know it's just kind of a weird thing to me because like when I was in school I hated math and science and like there's some math stuff in here and just when you look at it your brain automatically goes to that place of like I do not want to be doing this right now but like with football which was the case like for me in high school and obviously for these guys moving forward in college in the NFL it just clicks you know what I mean it's like it's the same type of thinking but just your brain goes to like a different place when it's a subject matter that you enjoy or that like immediately resonates with you so I I get what this test is trying to do but I don't know that it's necessarily like a fair way to judge how they see a football field you know what I mean Joe your NFL comparison is Luke Keekly, so you should feel good about that at 34 nice. oh, okay yeah that means my brain's all scrambled <laughs> well, I'm looking too many at concussions I'm looking at this. I just looked up scores from previous players, and like most of them are the higher scores. It's like predominantly quarterback. So I don't. It's not like a direct correlation, but I mean, the people who need to know what's going on and be the smartest are the ones that are near the top. So it can be kind of has a correlation, but yeah, I think it's just a random test that doesn't have really much and doesn't really prove anything about either your intelligence or ability to play a certain position. And I would imagine like if they took this test again and like, you know, at the end of their career versus the beginning of their career, it would probably be lower just from getting your brain rattled around a yeah, little bit. Assuming you know? they remember how to do all that stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's the scary part about football. But we still love it anyways, right? We're still going to watch. We're still going to be talking about these draft prospects. So I guess let's just kind of dive right into that. Yeah. We start with quarterbacks, right? I guess that's where we're going to kick this off with. The obvious big name comes out of a G5 school. That's Josh Allen's potential for him to go number one. Um, I guess we can kind of talk about him a little bit before we dive through the rest of them. Do you guys think that he is the best quarterback in this draft class? Or do you have another one of those guys that you're favoring a little bit more? I mean, I'm a little biased because I, I really like Lamar Jackson, but I'm a Louisville grad. Um, but, and I think he's a more complete athlete. I think he brings a little extra dimension to a team. Um, but Josh Allen's a great pocket guy. He just he makes a few too many like weird throws. Like, you know, when he scr- uh, scrambles to the right and then tries to heave it down the left side of the field like across his body like that kind of stuff makes me a little nervous but at the same time like from what I've seen of his like tape you need like competitor type guys in that in the NFL so I, I think he's great also I think Baker Mayfield has a little bit more talent but you know I, I certainly respect Josh Allen's body of work and you know the attitude that he can bring to a team I think my favorite thing is when we people talk or analysts talk about prospects is how they start off with a huge wave you look at Josh Allen and Lamar there's a huge wave of of oh my gosh they could be so good and then you know you have people who are trying to be relevant and start taking the other side of well now he's not so good because he does this and it's just this huge roller coaster of takes going up to the drafts i agree that i mean i don't think Allen's going to be a top pick he has the talent and i mean his arm strength is unreal i've seen some clips of him making throws that no one else in this class can can make 
but it's just it's like what Joe said is he's just he's just careless at times and it's almost like why are you doing that like there's times where he's rolling out to the right and he could easily run but he decides to like Joe said throw across his body to the left side because he try, he thinks his arm is strong enough to make those throws and that's what gets him in trouble so I I'm with Joe is I would take Lamar over Josh Allen right now but I could see it going either way I am also in the agreement that I definitely don't think that he's deserving of being the the number one pick I think at this point from what we're hearing that's probably going to be Darnold right now but I I kind of agree with what you guys are saying too. He makes, I mean, he just makes so many decisions where you're just like, what the hell is this guy doing? And I think that's what's going to really hold him back. I agree with the, he's got an arm. Like that's a, that's a real live arm and he can make all the throws. But if you're just going to be Brett Favre out there, overthrowing guys on left and right and making these terrible decisions, teams don't want that anymore these days. So I, I, that's why I can't see him going number one. I see him, you know, falling back a little bit. I do, for some reason, I think just because that arm, he will get drafted ahead of Mayfield and uh, Lamar Jackson, though. How do you feel about the argument? So if both with Lamar and Josh Allen, the, the argument for some people are making is that they didn't have talent around them. How do you guys feel about that? Well, we could say that about just about all these guys we're about to talk about, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Allen, yeah, he did have a, a offensive line that was, you know, if you left him clean, he was making all the throws. But I feel like you can make the same argument just about any quarterback. You know what I mean? So right. it's just it's sure. one of those things that he was still making some bad decisions, he, just like any other quarterback's going to make. They're all going to have to sometimes roll out to their right. But it seemed like he was too often trying to make, like you kind of said earlier, was that throw to the complete opposite side of the field, which you just can't do. It's like you either just tuck and run, which is an element that obviously Lamar and Mayfield do a lot better than Allen, or you just throw it away instead of making that dumb decision. Yeah, that's that's always kind of an interesting thing when people bring up to me, like the quality of, uh, of players around a guy on a team. It partially makes sense. Like when you go back and watch like Lamar Jackson's Heisman year, that offensive line was hot garbage. <laughs> and, you know, and that kind of like highlights how good he actually is. But, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about like Wyoming as a team to really make that kind of comparison. But I don't know. You kind of see these guys that come from rough teams in terms of surrounding talent. And it kind of makes you think like, oh, they might be, you know, a little better just because they stood out amongst that but you know i don't know how how true that is you know i know how true that rings with all these guys i guess now this is a point where we can just kind of start talking about some of the quarterbacks that are probably not you know, everybody's talking about some of the names we just brought up but some of these guys that are going to be in the back half of the draft that hey maybe they're the next tom brady they're the next guy that's drafted in the sixth round and dominates the league I know there's one guy that me and Joey have been talking about basically all season long, and that's Riley Ferguson, who's entering this draft class. It'll be interesting to see what kind of team picks him up because he's he's an accurate passer, but he does uh, every now and then have an occasional hiccup. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I uh, as far as you guys, I guess just give me some of the guys that you're kind of looking out for uh, quarterback wise. Uh, when the uh, draft opens. 
I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, bring up Mr. Mike White, the quarterback for the last two years at Western Kentucky University. I, you know, I think he has a decent shot to um, find himself in a good place in the NFL here. Um, I think the Pats and the Redskins have kind of expressed interest in him, and both of those teams need a solid option at backup QB right now, and I, I think he'd be a good fit there. Um, it's interesting you bring up like the Tom Brady, uh, like, you know, comparison or whatever in terms of being like a late round kind of guy. And, you know, I'm not saying Mike White's going to have a Tom Brady type career, but just the fact that like he comes from systems where you sit in the pocket and you sling it around, um, which is kind of what Belichick had going with uh, Brady there. So I I think it's kind of interesting that White's been kind of linked to the Pats just because I think he could thrive in that kind of system because that's exactly what he did under uh, under Jeff Brom. So maybe once Brady hangs it up, Mike White might be a pretty decent option to kind of pick up where he left off. Yeah, Mike White was going to be my guy. I've heard a lot of people talk about him being a late-round pick, and I think that's the nice thing about the draft is so much gets made of the first and second rounds by fans, but really, like, if you're drafted in the fifth through seventh round, like, you can still be a great NFL player and I, I'm everything Joe just said about white is kind of what I had to um, Joe other Joe brought up Ferguson he can, I, he can be good but like you said he has those hiccups where I mean you look at the AFC championship game the, that final interception you could just see he was looking for Anthony Miller and just well like he gets too focused on one guy and you're not gonna be able to do that in the NFL because one guy's not always gonna be open but that being said he definitely has the talent and arm strength to be a great pro but we'll see we'll see what happens when he actually does get to the next level the only other guy I was gonna kind of bring up was uh was Matt Linehan. I think he's got a decent shot just because it kind of helps out that his dad's a coach in the league. Definitely helps. Yeah, to, he has connections. So he, that, it that definitely, definitely helps, helps him out. So I have I have a pretty good feeling he will find a, a job in the league. Definitely will be on a practice squad this year for sure. Just to keep diving through here, I guess, we're going to run into the running back position. Like we kind of said before we started the show here, this is not really a – group of running backs that the G5 is really representing actually pretty well. Uh, Rashad Penny's the only major name that I'm sure anybody has heard of as far as a G5 talent. Uh, then there's a couple of FCF guys that I have written down here that have good possibility to be drafted in, from what I saw, anywhere between the 3 to 5 range. Uh, one being Rock Thomas from Jacksonville State and Chase Edmonds from Fordham. I don't know if you guys have you want to make any comments about this running back class just because it's really not that deep as far as the underdogs go. How good was Jacksonville State's running game last year? Because we have, uh, I have our G5 and FCS NFL draft prospects spreadsheet pulled up, and um, we have Rock Thomas and Darius Jackson from Jacksonville State on here. So, mm-hmm. I, it does do either of you guys know anything about how good that running attack was that we're talking about two running backs from the same team? They were really good last year. They made it to the FCS championship game against NDSU where they lost. Uh, so Thomas had 1,065 yards this past year uh, with 13 touchdowns. I think they lost their quarterback this year, so they relied more on the running game. Uh, to obviously move the ball, so I'm going to guess that it was pretty good. Obviously, I didn't watch a ton of Jacksonville State football this year. I know that might what? be surprising. What? Yeah, right? Why wouldn't you not? Well, I, you know, you guys, I'm not really that big of a Gamecocks fan. 
Yeah, that's kind of interesting that that's their uh, <laughs> that's kind of interesting that that's their nickname. There's only like what two D1 teams with that name. Right. You don't see that getting copycatted too much. We'll go to yeah. we'll go to a position where there's actually a ton of talent that's actually probably going to be in the NFL. And I know me and Joey are going to be big on at least the top two guys that are probably going to be drafted out of the G5 schools are two AAC guys. One being Cortland Sutton, who I've seen in the back half of the first round, early second round, which seems pretty appropriate. There's a ton of teams in that area that could use wide receivers, and he's just going to be a matchup nightmare for whatever team grabs him. And then Anthony Miller, I mean, I think he honestly is going to be – a little bit of a sleeper. He's still going to be probably a second or third round pick, but I don't think he's getting enough national love as some of the other guys. But I think he has all the tools to be, at the very least, a very good slot receiver. Yeah. Yeah, Sutton really impressed me in some of the games that he played this year. Um, I think another guy who kind of falls into that category is uh, Corey Robertson from SM or from USM Southern Miss. Oh, um, you're gonna get roasted for that one. Watch <laughs> out, Southern Miss I, fans hating on you. Southern Miss fans, like, all right. Mini tangent. The other day we did um, this post about what we think the Conference USA teams are gonna do next year, and. I, there was three or four of us in this conversation, and we all said, like, I think Southern Miss, they're going to be all right. You know, I, I don't know enough about, like, what they're going to have left after their depth, but we'll see. And then the first comment was, like, you think you guys think USM is going to suck. You guys always say this. And it's like we all just kind of looked at each other like literally none of us said that at all. I posted but, that in in Slack because I was like, oh, someone said, like, push. And I'm like, you guys, just they're going to hate on you, anything you say. And it's the one dude that says it every time. Like, you could say that they're going to lose one game and he'd be like keep saying that USM is going to suck it's like dude relax no one said they're going to suck and it, I literally said it before like right as the article is posted and like four hours later that comment that you're talking about was there I'm like oh there it is <laughs> that was so funny God. Uh, sorry to derail there but yeah uh, Corey Robertson I think he was one of the most underrated offensive guys in Conference USA this year. He had uh, 12 touchdown catches and 1,106 yards, had 500-yard games and four multi-touchdown games. So when you talk about guys who could be a really effective slot guy in the NFL, I think he absolutely falls into that category. Could be a very effective like sleeper pick. I personally like Anthony Miller more than Cortland Sutton. I know Sutton has physical traits that everybody's really going to like, but I think Miller is going to be more successful. When you watch those two play, Miller just has more of an edge to him because he came in as a walk-on, and now everything that he's doing, he's trying to prove people wrong. And I think that's just what's going to keep him in the league longer. Talent-wise, Sutton has has the edge. He's just he's he's longer, he's taller. It's just easier for him. But I think that edge is what will give Miller uh, the advantage in, in the future. Uh, and two other guys I wanted to bring up was one was Jaleel Scott from New Mexico State. I had, he had that ridiculous catch earlier this season and he's got he's got some length to him as well. So I like him. Um, and then the other guy who is not, I don't know how he's going to be in the draft, but Richie James was so much fun to watch in college. Um, so I kind of hope he has a good career as well. I agree on James. Just hope he can stay healthy, honestly. Yeah. 
you guys have any tight ends that really stick out to you? I did see that there's a kid from South Dakota State, Dallas. Oh Godair, yeah, Dallas that, Godair. That's yep. that's He's... pretty highly pretty highly rated. That some people have going as high as maybe the back half of the first round, which I thought was crazy yeah. for tight end. Yeah, he's he's the only one that I had. I mean, you have like Jordan Akins with UCF, but I don't know. I didn't know he was 25. He yeah. redshirt senior. So he no. So so apparently he was drafted in baseball and he tried to do minor leagues for a couple of years and it didn't work oh. out. Oh. Yeah. So I didn't know. I didn't know all that either until I was kind of doing yeah. doing some of the some of the work leading up to this. So yeah. Draft nugget. I like it. Yeah. So that's that's probably gonna hurt him a little bit just because of the fact that I mean he's already 25 years old. That's still young, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got really excited because in our NFL draft prospects spreadsheet, um, Arkansas State has a tight end named uh, Blake Mack. But in our spreadsheet, someone put it in as Black Mac. And I was like, is there seriously a person whose name is Black Mac? And then I went to Google and found out it wasn't true. Oh. So <laughs> Joey, thanks for killing my thanks for killing my dreams, Google. I guess now this is where we could dive through the offensive linemen. Uh, I don't expect all of us to know a ton about the the big boys up front but what i did notice about it when i was going through is we've got some prospects that come from all over the place you've got a ton of fcs guys you got some d2 guys you've got I, the, the main guy i believe as far as offensive lineman comes out of utep will hernandez from everything i've mm-hmm. read on him he's he's a he's a monster that they feel like he can plug in right away uh one guy that i will be kind of keeping an eye on is the kid from we were talking about before his name is alex kappa from and i hope i'm saying the school right but humboldt state a d2 school mm-hmm. teams apparently love him it's more one of those things i've never heard of this school and i think uh i guess this is a appropriate time to bring up the conversation about just for this school it's it's a great thing for them because now not to say that they're going to be getting in all these new recruits all of a sudden but Somebody could decide that hey, let me go check out that school now. Be a decent, you know, be a decent prospect. So they must, they must be doing something right to pull in NFL talent. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a huge branding thing to kind of see like, hey, you come here, this is where you can end up. You know, when kids want to go to school for like engineering, I guess, um, they'll look and see like, okay, what kind of companies have your graduates gone on to work for? And then they say, you know, stuff like GE or. That's literally the only company I know where engineers go to work. But anyway, um, but you understand what I'm saying? Like they want to know, like, can you put us in a spot where we're going to be able to succeed in our chosen career path later in life? And football is pretty much the same way. You know, you provide proof that you can get them to the promised land, so to speak. So, yeah, it's awesome for recruiting. Right. Which which traces all the way back to, like you said, with, right when they're being recruited is they we, there's been this perception that these smaller schools you can't go anywhere because people like the people in the power five schools they don't want those smaller schools to gain any traction but the nfl draft is a great platform i guess to show that hey i mean i'm looking at like some of the the list of guards here and i'm seeing almost more fcs and group of five players than power five players so that's it's just nice to show that hey you don't necessarily need to play on the power five level to get where you want to go. I mean, Will Hernandez is about as solid as they come. Now he's not, 
he's not a Quentin Nelson who's phenomenal to watch on film. I don't know if you guys watch any of his film, but he's nasty. Yeah, he just beats up yeah. everybody. And and Hernandez isn't he's not like as nasty as as Nelson is, but people still really like him. Like he's gonna be a great prospect, and whoever gets him is gonna get a great guard. It's coming from like the offensive line world. I think there's like a little bit of a difference in how they recruit offensive line at like the different levels. Because at D1, it really seems like they just kind of check for like the physical prospects and don't necessarily look at like you know technique and skill set maybe as much as they should. You know, they look at like combine workout kind of stuff. And like you know, when I played with a kid, they'd come and measure ankle size and weird stuff like that. But I think at um at the lower levels like D2 and D3 and maybe even a little bit at FCS they actually kind of look a little deeper at the like what's his first step like how how hard's that punch you know what i mean does he get his hands inside it, that's just kind of my perception and people might disagree with me on that but that's just kind of my experience well i'd agree because i think in high school it's hard like if you see a guy who's six five two eighty just beating up on a kid well most of the time that the kid that he's blocking is like a hundred pounds lighter than him went so, through puberty two months ago yeah right you know so it's kind of hard in high school you know you still have a wide range of players that are going up against these kids um i've seen the same thing i mean you i saw a guy who he was six six, two ninety five, and he on one play he's just dominating a kid who's yeah a buck 80 soaking wet and then the next play like you see him going against a guy who's a little bit bigger and he's not dominating like he was the other kid so i think high school it's really about like you said either kind of looking at what's his first step like what's his punch look like and then the measurables and i think yeah. also i mean it, it's looking at some of the numbers of some of these guys yeah i mean in regards to probably all three of us these are huge guys but they're still relatively undersized for the most part, just because of like what you guys were just kind of mentioning, they weren't the biggest kids coming out too, but they were obviously they can do things fundamentally that are helping them get to those where they're at right now. With all that said, not to dive too deep into that talk, but this also proves that once again the G5 teams they can compete with some of these Power Five schools. So. Get them in the playoff. Playoff selection committee people who are obviously listening to this podcast. Yeah. And, UM, UM, <laughs> and UMBC <laughs> proved that the little schools can definitely compete with the big schools. I'm convinced by that. I, li- I like when they talk about, you know, they, they the committee puts their hats on that hat rack or whatever, which is like the corniest thing in all of sports. Right. And they're like, oh, leave your biases at the door. And it's like, yeah, okay. well, you're not. You're still leaving, but you're bringing bias in. But another topic for another day. Six-hour podcast about the college football playoff. And how big of a joke <laughs> it is. They market it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's keep talking about some more big guys. We'll go along the, the defensive line. There's, again, school that I never heard of. Is There's a kid coming out of there, Fort Hayes State. Never heard of that school in my life leading up to this prospect. But we had a couple guys, as I was looking, same thing we were kind of just saying earlier, as we're going through the, the our draft list. I'm like, man, Fort Hayes State must have had a pretty solid team. Uh, kid named Nathan Shepard. The obvious concern with some of these guys, though, is playing against weaker competition. But we have seen, and I feel like it's definitely on the offensive and defensive lines where you see the best translation of the smaller school prospects making it to the next level. Can we agree on that? It's usually those two positions that we, it's the easiest transition, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, I'd agree. But then, like, just to bring up some other names, I know I will be keeping an eye on to see where Justin Lawler ends up because he went to SMU. Uh, you guys have any guys that are really sticking out to you? Yeah, along the defensive line, I mean, you have Marcus Davenport from UTSA. This guy, of all the Conference USA kids, is probably the one that I'm most excited about. I love his tape. I love his combine workout. And um, from what I've kind of seen, it looks like the Packers are in for uh, an edge guy. And I think he can probably fit that mold. And one other thing about him, I think it was Mayock that compared him to Jadavian Clowney, just in terms of being like this raw talent. And so that tells you how good of an athlete he actually is and can be he's gonna be top or he's been projected as top 10 right yep that's what i've seen top 10 top 15 guaranteed for what i'm saying he'll absolutely be first round yeah you know i don't know about top 10 but he'll definitely be first round yeah i I think i saw some things that said he's top 10 and i mean you watch his film and like you said he's he's got plenty of ability and i think teams are going to love that and they obviously see something that they like and they feel that they can mold him to be consistent to go with all that talent that he has next year's d-line class going to be loaded by the way well we got ed oliver so we know it's going to be and he'll be a top five pick probably barring barring injury now it it wouldn't be a joe talk episode if we didn't talk ucf and the biggest thing that's come out of ucf in this whole draft process is obviously when shaquem griffin uh, he's obviously taken the whole country by storm just because of the fact that i we as college football fans know that he's been playing you know, without a hand for his, most of his life but i guess the rest of america is just kind of finding out about it but i to me uh, i don't care i remember i was out that day and when i saw him put up the 20 bench press reps it was like the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just what an achievement. I, I know for him, he probably does it on the regular, but like we don't see that kind of stuff every day. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's just such a great story. Um, when you go back and look at everything that him and his brother uh, Shaquille, who plays for the Seahawks now, um, and what they overcame in order to get where they are, and it's awesome. The kid overcame not having a hand to play linebacker. <laughs> you know, and he's good. And he just, he's not just you know he's not average either. Yeah. He is damn good too. Defensive player of the year in the conference. Uh, he runs a four three eight. I mean, he's he's running faster than some wide receivers are and. DBs that we're going to talk about soon. I mean, he is an athlete. There's no question about that. Right. This isn't just like a feel-good story of like, mm-hmm. look, this kid, we kind of just let be in the combine because and, marketing and it, or whatever. And it took the, a while for him to get in there, too. Like, he wasn't originally invited to the combine either, which was kind of surprising. Right. Right. You know, it's after all that. And it's like, yes, it's an awesome story about overcoming adversity. Yes, it's crazy that he's playing this such a – physical sport with you know a physical impalement but go watch the tape watch his workout kid is a baller completely agree and there's gonna be doubters every single year like he he could have a, a great rookie season and people are starting to be like oh well how's it how's his hand gonna affect him and it's sometimes that just gets really old um the fact that he wasn't invited to the combine was kind of interesting uh and then obviously he took an opportunity and ran with it and just he dominated at the combine and I, I think that was the best thing for me I didn't really care about anything else because you have a guy who continues like you guys said to prove people wrong and and I think because now if he was on like a power five team which I don't know why he would be because I feel like a team at that level wouldn't take a chance but I feel like this would just be like 
not as big of a story for us, but because he's at UCF and now he's going on to the NFL, I think we are more invested in it because it's another guy from a group of five team that is proving people wrong, and he has this great story that's also proving people wrong. So it's kind of two things that he's working with here. Uh, any other, I guess, linebacker prospects that would stick out to you guys? Because we could just gush about Griffin all day long. Jannard Avery is going to be good. He's rising up draft boards from Memphis. Um, so that's another name that people should watch out for. I would love to see Joel Ebeniwe go somewhere in the NFL. Um, I, you know, I think he has the potential to be kind of like a mid mid to like early late round pick if that makes sense um but i mean all the physical things are there he's just he's a little bit undersized um the kind of like grit and hustle that he played with and how he was able to like stick out on that western kentucky team the last two years he's really fun to watch and hopefully he gets a chance to show that in the nfl somewhere defensive backs are plenty that's another position where i feel like you can find a lot of guys at different levels here the number one guy coming out and it's again it's another guy i've kind of seen in the back half of the first round i've seen the patriots linked to him quite a bit it seems like and that's uh, ucf's mike hughes he's not as fast as some of the other corners are in as a four four five three but the kids, I mean, he's got the length that everybody's looking for these days. He is a little bit of a raw talent. He hasn't played a whole lot against talented players. But he's a player that, I mean, if he's being covered in the back half of the first round, you know that teams really like what he's bringing to the table. So, I mean, there was a whole handful of guys, at least in the AAC, that we could talk about. There's Perry Nichols was one of them, and then Dietrich Nichols was the other, or Perry Nickerson, excuse me. Just a couple guys that I'll be keeping an eye on. What about you guys? Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say Hughes. Uh, the one th- thing that you brought up is they are concerned that he hasn't played anybody or played against better talent, I should say. That was my concern going in because you watch who he played, and yeah, I mean, he's he's a great player. I'm not trying. We're not trying to say that he he's not. But you watch him against uh, Anthony Miller, and Miller just torched him in that in the AAC championship game. I don't. I, now I don't know how they did it in the first matchup where UCF won. I know that he still had trouble covering Miller, so that's going to be the one thing. Is Miller's not a huge prospect. He doesn't have the height that's going to, you know, cause issues for him. And it's that edge that gives him issues. And you could tell that Hughes wasn't wasn't ready for it when they played earlier or at the end of the year. That's what I would pay attention to. And then you mentioned Nickerson. I think he's going to be one of those late-round picks that could really mold into a, a great player. He, even when he was at Tulane, I mean, you, Joe, and I talked about him for a while during the season but I don't think people really paid attention to him and now teams are going to start watching film and see that he's going to be a great option in the later rounds uh the one like CUSA guy that I kind of liked um I like the way Cedric Cooper plays um he had a pretty decent senior year played in 12 games with 68 tackles um three interceptions so Played all right. I don't know that he has, like, the complete body of work from his entire college career to really warrant being, like, a high pick or anything. Um, he's only, you know, six foot tall, 210 pounds. Um, so I, I guess pretty okay size for his safety. But, um, yeah, I mean, other than him, CUSA was, you know, not great in terms of, like, draft-eligible 
defensive backs this year. Just to go over some of some of the schools of just where some of the other defensive back prospects that I've seen. We have I've seen someone from Southern, um, Illinois State, Monmouth, North Dakota, and the one uh, Texas A&M Commerce. So I'm assuming it is probably a satellite school for down there. So again, there's another position where you can find guys from all over the country that could play this position. I don't really have anything for specialists. I don't know if you guys have anything written down as far as kickers and punters will go. Is Satchel going pro? <laughs> I mean, I hope so. That'd be dope. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, let's. I'm just pulling up uh, the best kicker prospects for the draft on I mean, you got Online a punter right from now. Bowling Green, and that's I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know, David Davidson from. I mean, I don't think there's really anybody else that is on anybody's radar. His kicking game's not sexy either, so that's kind of the reason why. There's literally one guy <laughs> from uh, so no yeah. from uh, from Auburn. So yeah, we don't have to talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> now they just pull guys from the rugby leagues, anyways. That's true. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, rugby's it works. Any other prospects you guys want to talk about? Things that we left off. Dude, well, we you want to of... talk about NBA prospects? Jello Ball, man, going pro. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for the the BBB <laughs> talk on this show. I know. I miss. I missed my chance because he's going as a guard, and I missed my chance to bring up a guard. And uh, you know, I really dropped the ball there, but I had to bring it up once, man. Big baller, Broback. <laughs> uh, one I'm thing glad I, I just glad I didn't mess up the Southern Miss bit. Joe's gonna get thrashed for that. Oh, bring ah, bring it on! I'm ready. Yeah, I got re- you back. <laughs> I served my nickel. You come and take me. <laughs> we got three average. Uh, we got three average Joe's to save the day. Uh, one thing I was kind of curious about, and you know, we don't have to go too long on this, but um, what were your guys' thoughts on Kyle Allen's kind of draft prospects? quarterback from Houston I mean obviously I cover Houston I think the the biggest thing for him is mental he has he can make the throws like you, early on in the season before he got benched you could see like he can make the throws it's just all about his decision making and that's what got him benched is he especially when he gets pressured it's just his brain shuts off and he just like sees a sliver of an opening and there could be four guys on him on his receiver and he just makes that throw which so it's all about it's all mental for him it's not i don't have any question that he can make make these throws and he can he has the physical traits to do it but if he it's just it i don't know if he'll get drafted it'll be interesting to see what happens there i don't think he should have i don't know it was tough because on one hand i was like he shouldn't have gone pro because he's not i mean He's not ready. He's, he hasn't played a full season in college, and I just don't think that's always ever a good idea. But at the same time, with his rocky path at Texas A&M and then his struggles at Houston, I think maybe it was just time for him to move on. Well, he can do it. It's just he's got to he's got to stay calm in the pocket and. When, not get rattled so easily when pressure is in his face. One more player, just to bring that up. Kind of a little bit of kind of like Lamar Jackson. Some people want to see him play wide receiver, but I want to bring up Quentin Flowers and what do you guys see him as a pro? Because I've seen a lot of teams potentially just thinking about putting him in as, as a running back. Uh, Denard Robinson all over again? Yeah. yeah. I, if you look, so like USF fans are going to bring up that he had his best year passing this year. But if you look, I'm look up his completion percentage right now. But he's still in like the mid 50s, and I'm like, that's not what 
NFL team's gonna want. And most of those, and I mean, most of those passes are, you know, they run that like dink and dunk kind of stuff too. It's, right. Yeah, screen passes and things like geez. that. Yeah, he yeah. completed fifty three percent of his passes, and it's I don't know. It's hard I mean, to make that argument. I mean, he, that he's gonna when be. he's on the field, he, you know, he's one of those players. That he's the best player on the field. Oh, for sure. So it's like it's like where else can you really stick him other than running back? But he's not a natural running back either. So it's just he's one of those mm-hmm. guys that's going to be kind of hard to grade in this whole process. He's gone through so much crap that too. too. I don't yeah. know if you guys yeah. know the story. So I just I just yeah. want him to do so well because of what he's gone through. And he's and he's so talented. I mean, you watch teams play against him, and you realize they're always conscious of where he is. But obviously, if you can't make a pass in in the NFL, you're not going to play. He's a talented athlete. I just think he's one of these guys where NFL teams aren't really going to know what to do with him. And once they, you know, and when they figure out what to do with him, is like prime physical window is going to be passed. You know what yeah. I mean? I so. think that's a problem for some. There's people out that are just football players, but they don't have like a natural position. Kind of like, I mean, you yeah. can make the same argument with Tebow back in the day. Football player, just no real natural position in the NFL. I was just thinking that, but I didn't know how uh, football players feel about being compared to Tebow nowadays. So, uh, well, and also I don't know that he'll you know, have the same career trajectory or whatever. But yeah, I was just well, thinking. I that. mean, was, obviously Tebow was the most hyped thing in all of America had headed into that draft and still is probably. I mean, we still, we're still, talk, we're still talking about him playing baseball, which blows my mind. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Do you think Tebow would have been as popular as he was? So say he didn't have like that compelling personality that everybody wants to talk about or see, like, do you think if he just had like a mild personality, like would he have been as good as he was and then get drafted or, would we just would no one know who Tim Tebow is today? Well, he's all over TV. He's pretty. I know. He's a pretty, he's a pretty like man. He, I'll admit that. If you go back and look at his film, like it was like he wasn't fast. He was just big. He was a football he was, player. Uh, like, uh, yeah, a good one. That's a thing. You know, like I know, like college. I, I knew college was going to be his like peak, but you know, I don't know. Maybe not now with baseball. Yeah, he's in double A. He just hit a bomb on his first event. So I, I can't imagine him making it to the big leagues. As, whoever's editing this podcast, whoever's editing editing this podcast, can I just get that clip of Joe saying he's a pretty man? Because I want to make it my ringtone. Go for it. <laughs> I will admit, when there's a good looking dude, I'm totally all right with myself that way. <laughs> All right. No, you should be good. It was a lot of fun. Obviously, we've got a little sidetracked here and there, but that's what makes these things kind of fun. If you're not, make sure you are following Underdog Dynasty on Facebook, Twitter, all that other good stuff. Again, I'm Joe Serpico. Guys, say goodbye to everyone. Who knows when we're going to do another one of these shows again? Hopefully, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Bye, everybody. Follow me on Twitter at Johio underscore. Um, follow Underdog Dynasty on Twitter too. All the social medias. Hashtag branding. Hashtag. The hashtags. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.